Hello and welcome to this episode of Short Round's Roundtable. I am your host, Short Round. Tonight, we're going to be talking about something a little different. Normally, I would be talking about the American Civil War and the men who fought it directly. But tonight, this episode is a little bit different. Tonight, I'm talking about different organizations in which you can join if you were the descendant of a Civil War soldier. Now, everything I'm going to say tonight is my own opinion. I am not speaking on behalf of any organization or their membership tonight. I am only speaking from the outsider's looking-in perspective. I am not promoting. I am just explaining. With that being said, first, we're going to talk about the Sons of Confederate Veterans. The Sons of Confederate Veterans is a lineal organization. You have to be the descendant of a Confederate soldier who served honorably or died in the line of service or was wounded and was discharged from his wounds, but he had to have served in an honorable capacity. That goes for the soldiers, sailors, and even some government officials. Now, the SCV, as it's abbreviated, the SCV's parent organization was the UCV. And if you know what the American Legion or the VFW, uh, VFW would probably be a better example because the VFW is foreign wars, whereas the American Legion was just those enlisted but never served abroad, so to speak, in, in combat. But the UCV was a whole lot like the VFW for Confederate veterans. United Confederate veterans had bivouacs. Now, they were formed after the war, but you have to understand after the war, it was actually illegal for a time for Confederate veterans to get together and, and meet and congregate, especially in large numbers, because of the whole, we just had a war, we don't want another one, anybody planning to, to revolt, rebel, or, or to cause a stink again. But eventually, the UCV is born. But as time goes on, the membership starts dying off. They don't want their legacy, if you will, to die with them. So the parent organization, the United Confederate Veterans, issues a charge, if you will, but they, they issue it a statement that creates the Sons of Confederate Veterans in 1896. Now in 1906, we're going to fast forward a little bit, and you'll hear a bunch of members of the SCV say that they're living the charge. What does that mean exactly? You see, in order to live the charge, you have to know what the charge is. So, here's the charge. To you, sons of Confederate veterans, we will commit the vindication of the cause for which we fought to your strength will be given the defense of the Confederate soldier's good name, the guardianship of his history, the emulation of his virtues, the perpetuation of those principles which he loved and which you love also, and those ideals which made him glorious and which you also cherish. Lieutenant General Stephen D. Lee, Commander General, United Confederate Veterans, New Orleans, Louisiana, April 25th, 1906. 
With that charge being given, the SCV then had a mission. And in a nutshell, that mission was to make sure the Confederate soldier and what he did is never forgotten and that his good name is always honored and protected. See, the Sons of Confederate Veterans is non-political, non-religious, and non-racial. Now, does that mean we don't have political members or religious members or members of different races? No. The SCV does, in fact, have members of different races, religions, creeds, so on and so forth. In fact, when I was at the... Lieutenant General Nathan Bedford Forrest reinterment at the headquarters Elm Springs, uh, where the new National Confederate uh, Museum is in Columbia, Tennessee. When I was there, I ran into a guy who was actually one of the reenactors. He's an SCV member, and he was a Hindu. I mean, he was wearing, and I'm I'm not versed in, in Hinduism, so please forgive me, but he was wearing um, a headdress of some sort and he had a um i i I do not know what the the red mark on the forehead is called but he had one uh, i think he said that symbolized he was married but he he was open about his faith and he was standing there in a confederate uniform and no one batted an eye no one looked at him funny because he was just there and he was living in the moment and he was enjoying it and he was a full-fledged member of the scv he just happened to worship different than the majority there are members in the Sons of Confederate Veterans that are Hispanic. Um, actually, I'm really good friends with a guy, Rich Garcia. If you ever get the chance to look him up, he's a member of the SCV. He's a very knowledgeable member of the SCV, especially when it comes to Hispanics and Tejanos that served in the Confederate Army. His grandfather, I think it was uh, his, his second or third great-grandfather, was a Tejano who served honorably in the Confederate Army, and he, he loves telling that story. He loves spreading that history. Actually, when I was uh, given a tour for the school days at, at the Shiloh reenactment, I ran into Rich, and the class that I had uh, in tail with me he gave them a history lesson on Hispanics during the war and how many there were, where they all came from, and what regiments they, they served if, if they were in mass or like the 33rd Texas Cavalry was mostly Tejano. But Rich is just such a wealth of knowledge, and he's a Hispanic man, and he loves being in the SCV. There's actually a member in, of the SCV who is still alive, and his, he is the grandson. He's a real grandson of Lewis Napoleon Nelson, 7th Tennessee, Company M, Confederate Cavalry. Now, I've talked about Lewis Napoleon Nelson. I've talked about his grandson, um, Nelson Winbush. I, I don't really like using his name too much because he, he is still alive. I won't say where he resides, but he is still living, but he is the grandson. He heard the stories from Lewis Napoleon Nelson firsthand about why he served, what he did in his service when he was everything from cooking to being a rifleman to giving church services and memorizing the entire Bible as a black Confederate soldier. He, he heard those stories, and he is the grandson of that man. He is a proud member of the Sons of Confederate Veterans. I've, there, there was a good friend of mine who uh, I will not mention names, but he was half Japanese, and he was a member of the SCV here in Tennessee. So it's, it's not a uh, racist organization like everybody, not everybody, but the majority paints it out to be. And, and from the outsider looking in, 
if you don't get to know the membership, if you don't understand what the membership is made up of and who makes it up, you're really just kind of shooting yourself in the foot because you're not really going and doing your homework and being diligent in your work and finding out who and what the SCV is. You're just pointing a finger and, and saying racist, 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 and that's wrong. You shouldn't do that. In the opening statements, in the mission statement, it says as clear as day that non-racial, non-political. And if you're found to be a racist, the SCV has a zero-tolerance policy. They, if, if you're promoting any hateful ideology, they, you're gone. The SCV will not stand for it. Now, again, I'm not promoting the SCV. I'm not promoting any organization within this podcast tonight. My goal tonight is to give you the basic facts about each one and why they're important to history as a whole, why it's important to be a member, to contribute to these things. And and even if you're not a member, even if you just want to contribute, if you don't have the ancestry, there are programs for everything I'm talking about tonight. Uh, Associate memberships, friends of, whatever you want to call it, there are parts of those organizations so that everybody can find their place within it, and that's a guarantee. The biggest thing that the SCV does is they're not soldiers just because the SCV has elements that are called camps and divisions and brigades. They're not a military force by any means. They're just modeling it after what their ancestors were, which were soldiers and sailors. But the SCV is very big on battlefield cleanup and preservation. They donate money to make sure that battlefields are preserved. They own some battlefields in some places. They do everything they can to make sure that the ground stays sacred. It's not corrupted with a McDonald's built on top of it if they can help it or anything like that. They work with a lot of different battlefield trusts, and they ensure preservation of where their ancestors fought. They also maintain the graves of the, the, the very same men that fought on those battlefields. They maintain their graves, whether they're mass graves, individual graves, named graves, unknown graves. It doesn't matter. The SCV, if it, and it doesn't have to be just a Confederate grave. I've, I've been on many cleanups with different SCV camps, and I've, I've talked to different members of the SCV. And if it's, a, if it's a grave of a veteran, regardless of whatever era, branch of service, anything like that, that grave's going to be taken care of if there's an SCV camp nearby, and that's that's almost a guarantee and a promise, assuming that the, the membership can actually, you know, get out there and, and be able to do that. And whether it's an annual cleanup or a weekly cleanup, whether it's just cutting the grass in a cemetery or, or like I said, resetting a stone and maintaining a stone, a lot of different camps are going to do everything they can to go out there and and ensure that that grave is taken care of. Same goes for monuments, too. Monuments, whether it's in a cemetery, whether it's on a courthouse lawn, um, not so much on, on like, national battlefields, but local battlefields, definitely. Uh, and not to say that they don't partner with, with uh, like, the National Park Service sometimes and, and try and do volunteer-coordinated events to clean monuments or help with that. Um, they absolutely do, and that's a wonderful thing. But that's the biggest mission of the SCV is going to these battlefields, going to these graveyards, and going to these monuments and ensuring that the stories told 
it looks presentable, it looks good, and that people can understand something from a side they don't normally look at it from. That's the biggest goal of the SCV, in my opinion, from, from the outsider's perspective looking in, is just maintaining the history, maintaining the presentation of the history, and just making sure that the Confederate soldier, regardless of his race, religion, or creed, is not forgotten. The next organization in which I'm going to talk about is the SUVCW, and that big long line of letters just means the Sons of Union Veterans Civil War. This is another fantastic organization. They, uh, they do a lot when it comes to, to historical preservation, monument preservation, battlefield preservation. They, they're, they're just a great source of knowledge as well when it comes to the Federal Army and the federal soldiers that fought. The Sons of Union Veterans Civil War was organized in 1881, and they're one of the few organizations, fraternal organizations, that are actually chartered by Congress, and they got their charter uh, by Congress in 1854. Their parent organization was the GAR, Grand Army of the Republic. Like the United Confederate Veterans, they were, they were just one of the organizations that the veterans of that particular side could join like a VFW or an, or an American Legion. The thing with that is, though, and I didn't mention this with the UCV, but I'll talk about it with the UCV and the GAR. Those were not the only two organizations that veterans could join if they were a Confederate soldier or a, a Union soldier. There were so many recognized, believe it or not, different organizations for veterans, it just happened that the UCV and the GAR were the two biggest and ended up being the two biggest and pretty much the two official veterans organizations for Civil War veterans. Excuse me. Now, to be a member of the SUVCW, it's like the SCV, you have to be the descendant of a federal soldier or sailor who served honorably, died in combat, died due to illness in the field, or was discharged due to any kind of wound they may have received or for whatever reason, as long as it was an honorable discharge of sorts, they had to have served in an honorable capacity, and that will qualify you for membership. Now, the SUVCW uh, does require a little bit more in-depth documentation than some organizations, but it's not too much that you can't do. They're just being thorough in, in their membership process, which I applaud. Uh, a lot of organizations are starting to really get into doing that as well. But um, their, their mission, like, like I said with the SCV, but their mission is to honor their ancestors, teach about their ancestors, and... Monument, memorial, and grave preservation is a humongous part of their entire existence. If they're not cleaning headstones, resetting stones, in some case, getting stones out there initially for the first time for some of these veterans, um, they're not doing their job, but they absolutely do. They go out. I've, I follow their Facebook and a few other social platforms, and they're busy bees. They're always doing something. Their, their numbers aren't as great as they used to be, but I'm hoping with, with these podcasts, I'm not promoting any of these organizations, but I am letting you know that they exist. They're out there, what their mission is, and if you think you align with them or you fall into the category of I'm interested, reach out to them. 
scv.org, suvcw.org, so on and so forth. These organizations would love to talk to you about your ancestry, the potential of you joining, bolstering their numbers, and giving them a hand in all of their mission, like I said, which is monument protection, preservation, battlefield preservation, all these things. And it, it whether it's physical or whether it's a monetary donation, any of these things, they're going to be so grateful for the, any and all help because as time keeps marching on, people just aren't as interested in history anymore. And that's one thing we need to really hone in and focus on is history because if we don't know our history, unfortunately, we're doomed to repeat it. And there's a lot of things. If you've ever read a history textbook, if you look outside, you're going to see some stuff repeating these this day and age. And, and that's not what we want. We want to make our own chapter in a, a textbook, not repeat somebody else's. But the SUVCW is a fantastic organization. If you are the descendant of a federal soldier, if you're a man, uh, for the SCV and the SUVCW, you have to be a male descendant to join these. Um, as far as females go for the federal side, I'm unaware if there is an organization, uh, a sorority, if you will, for federal ancestors, but there is one for Confederate uh, female descendants, and that is the United Daughters of the Confederacy, the UDC. Now, the UDC was founded September 10th, 1894. It was, it was a big motivator for a lot of the monuments you see today. In fact, it, at the burial trenches at Shiloh, the mass Confederate burial trenches, there's five on the field, and all five of them on the stone say the same thing, erected by the UDC 1935, those are the years those went up, those stones when they actually uh, marked out those trenches and, and erected the stones and everything, and they became official. They were already graves, but that's when the Park Service treated them as such, and they were guaranteed, outlined, we know exactly where there are graves, and that was a big helping part from the UDC. Now, the UDC... When they, they helped put up a bunch of different monuments all the way from the course of around the early 1920s all the way through into the 1960s, 70s, even into today. But a lot of people with these monuments going up, especially in the 60s, they all said it was racist, 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 that it was all having to do with... Uh, the civil rights movement, and that's why Confederate statues were going up. Well, that that's a common myth, and there's no merit to it at all, actually. But the big reason that a lot of these monuments, especially the UDC putting up a bunch of monuments in the 1960s, by then all the Confederate veterans had passed. But at the same time, that's the centennial of the war, 61 to 65. And if you look, when all these monuments, well, a good chunk of the monuments that went up for the centennial of the war are in the 1960s, they happened during the centennial, and the UDC played a major role in that. But that's why a lot of people have falsely labeled them as racist is because of their part in erecting so many monuments to the Confederate soldier. But in reality, they're not racist. In fact, their membership, like the SCV and the SUVCW, comprises of multiple races, religions, and creeds. One of my favorite people to talk about in the UDC, and, and the reason she's one of my favorites to talk about in the UDC is because she is a real daughter. If you don't know what a real son or a real daughter is, uh, 
in in terms of the American Civil War, a real son for a Confederate soldier means that was a Confederate soldier's son who was still alive today, pretty much. The last real son of a Confederate soldier was Mr. Ham, and he died within the past two years, unfortunately. Um, I do believe there's still one federal real son, and as far as a real daughter goes, I think there's somewhere in the neighborhood, in the past three years, I know there were up to, I believe, 21 real daughters still alive. Now, one of those real daughters, her name is Maddie Clyburn Rice, and she's a real daughter. Now, what's interesting about her and people will tell her her daddy didn't serve, he never could have served. But the thing is, was Miss Rice's father was a black Confederate soldier. And he served with pride. He went to reunions. He was absolutely a Confederate soldier in every sense of the word. And he took pride in that fact. And she grew up hearing stories, not very long, of course, because you have to understand these real sons and real daughters, their, their Confederate father was probably in the neighborhood of somewhere between 55 and 75 when they were born. They were There were a lot of them that, uh, for both sides too, but they would marry younger women and sire a bunch of children to keep the name going. But Miss Rice, her father, was a black Confederate soldier. She is a real daughter and has been verified by the United Daughters of the Confederacy amongst other organizations and, and heritage and genealogy stuff as well. But she got to hear the stories from her father about being a Confederate soldier as a black man. And as a black woman, she joined the UDC. And if memory serves right in a couple of the articles I've read about her and her family, her daughters are in the UDC as well. So it's not a racist organization if they're not only allowing people of other colors to come in with verified you know, ancestry, but they're keeping that, they're, they're increasing that number, letting her kids join and everything else. And, and she's not the only one. She's just the only real daughter. But she's a real daughter out of 21 real Confederate daughters in the world. One of them is black. And she loves it. And she is very proud of that fact. But the UDC and the SCV are not racist like everybody paints them out to be. And that's, that's an outsider-looking-in perspective. You just have to dig deep enough to understand why they're not and don't, don't roll with the masses when they say it is, because it's not. The SUVCW is a fantastic organization. And one more that I actually wasn't going to um, put out there tonight. I'm not sure if there's a federal version of this or not. But the Military Order of the Stars and Bars... M-O-S-N-B. To be a member of the M-O-S-N-B, you have to be the descendant of a Confederate officer, whether they were in the Army, Navy, or were a, a politician, but they had to have been a commissioned officer. The M-O-S-N-B is, is similar to the SCV, just the commission requirement. They work together, uh, especially more so now, uh, this day and age. They're really coming together. A lot of camps between the two organizations are really starting to work together and, and kind of not blend because they're not becoming one organization, but they're definitely working together and, and the membership is pretty pretty the same or it's getting there in a lot of cases, and I think that's wonderful. But the Military Order of the Stars and Bars, the UDC, 
the SUVCW and the SCV are all fantastic organizations that guarantee that your ancestor's story will be told, monuments will still be standing, and the full context of a story you might not know or understand will be told in a way that it brings it to a personal level. I never knew about my black Confederate ancestor. I never knew about my ancestor who lost a leg at Shiloh in the 13th Tennessee. I didn't know I had a commissioned officer in the Confederate Army in my family, much less a commissioned officer at all. But all of these organizations, I didn't know I had a federal ancestor in the 7th Tennessee Cavalry U.S. that was captured and sent to Andersonville, him and his son. His son didn't make it. He lived. The father did, who was the captain. And uh, he was actually on the Sultana as well. Talk about bad luck, Andersonville and the Sultana. But he lived through both of those. But I, would, I didn't know about any of these things until all of these organizations, one way or another, was in my life. And I, I got to researching and understanding, and I was just curious. But each one of these, not only do they serve the general public as far as history goes with making sure stories are told, monuments are preserved, but they, they really help the individual story of your ancestor be told. They really help honor the individual as much as the army. And that is so important, and that's the key. That's the first step to really keeping history alive. The more personal you can make it, the better. Because men like uh, William Archie, Nicholas P. Bond, those, those are my ancestors, and I didn't know any of their names until... I got to looking for an ancestor to join one or more of these different organizations. So with that being said, that's why it's important. That's why I wanted to make this podcast. I didn't want to promote, I'm not promoting a single one of these organizations. I'm just letting you know they exist, and I'm letting you know they're there to help you if you need help and to, to join them, to honoring your ancestor. Whatever you want to do with this, take this information and run one ear out the other. I don't care. I'm just letting you know that there are people out there that still care about history. And it doesn't have to be, you know, one side or the other. You can join more than one of these organizations. That's fine. I've actually heard jokes. There was a guy, God rest him, he, he just recently passed away. I reenacted with him in New Mexico at Fort Stanton. Ken Dusenberry. I miss you, buddy. I really do. But he was a member of the, the SUVCW in New Mexico, and I was a member of the SCV at the time, and we used to kind of jeer back and forth at one another during these reenactments. And uh, old Ken used to say I was an SOB because I had federal ancestors too. And I said, I said, Ken, quit calling me a son of a... And he said, no, no, no. He said, an SOB, you're a son of both. <laughs> but that's, that's where I learned that... that saying and he just recently passed away so keep ken Dusenberry's family in your thoughts and prayers but uh that's all i have for you tonight and if you're an sob like me join one both all it doesn't matter but i hope you can take something away from this podcast tonight i hope that we can keep history alive together keep monuments up keep monuments going up and and not just confederate monuments just monuments in general to history. I don't care what era, as long as there's a story that's correctly being told, that's what matters. We have to get people out there and let them understand that history, good, bad, or ugly, has to be understood 
and we have to keep it alive so that we don't repeat the same mistakes and we can learn from others' mistakes instead of making our own. But thank you guys so much. I've enjoyed making this podcast tonight. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, if I got anything right, wrong, or indifferent, or you just want to talk to me, you are more than welcome to email me at shortroundshallowtours at yahoo.com. You can find me at shortroundshallowtours and military museum on Facebook and message me that way. Or you can go to my Facebook group, Short Rounds Roundtable, and you can uh, get at it there. We'll talk about some stuff here, there, and everywhere about history. doesn't matter what era. The roundtable is just that, a roundtable. You can also go to my YouTube and TikTok, both named, you guessed it, Short Rounds Roundtable, except the TikTok is Short Rounds Roundtable too. Thanks, TikTok. But you can go there to check out more content. And if you'd like to make a donation, well... I hadn't got that far in everything yet, but one of these days I might actually ask y'all for one. But till then, the only donation I want is comments, concerns, and ideas for more podcasts and more videos and what you want to learn. So until then, until next time, thank you guys so much. God bless. God bless Dixie, and God bless the United States.